I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I go in, Jeremiah's there, Chevy Chase is sitting on the couch, and um, Jeremiah introduces me, and Chevy Chase looks at me and goes, so, Shakespeare for a Pizza Hut commercial, huh? <laughs> and, you know, I turned red, I was obviously humiliated, but he got the humor of that and the absurdity of that, and I got the role. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry, and I make them share a couple bad audition stories with me. If you're not already subscribed to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button now wherever you're listening and leave us some love. Today on the show is Natalia Nogalich. I was so excited to talk to Natalia. I've been a fan of hers um, my entire life. You may remember her from West Wing or from her iconic role as Mrs. Shirley in Christmas Vacation. Uh, you may know her from Star Trek. She is also just a total badass who had spent years in theater directing and having her own company. She's written a historical novel titled One Woman's War, which she was kind enough to send to me, and I'm so excited to dive into this book. I really, I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, we talk everything, and she was just so lovely, and it was such a pleasure and honor to talk to her. So here's my conversation with Natalia. And welcome to the show, Natalia! Thank you. Good to be with you. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I have been such a huge fan of yours since um, I can remember watching television and film. So this is a big uh, treat for me. So thank you for joining me today. 
My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> uh, so you've had such a long and extensive and incredible career, and um, I want to get into all the the bigger things that people know you from. But before we do any of that, I have to go back to the beginning and ask you why you wanted to be an actor. Well, you know, I I didn't set out um, to train as an actor. I did it as a child for fun. I took ballet classes. I took drama classes. And my parents thought that would be, you know, a good way to develop your confidence and, and so on. And I just, I thought it was fun and uh, school plays, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to college, I um, was not encouraged by my darling strict immigrant parents to pursue acting as my main career. So I took an academic course and I, I got a degree in art history. Oh wow. And yeah, and I I loved it because it it allowed me to study in Spain and in Italy and in France and it, it was marvelous. Wow. That said, um the acting itch never really went away. <laughs> I I did get a job uh, in the art field immediately after college for which I was grateful. It helped me pay off all my school loans and uh, at directing a gallery at University of Wisconsin. It, it was terrific and I had fun, but that was gnawing at me to perform. So I said, well, what the heck, I'll just go back, take some dance classes, a couple acting workshops, you know, just to satisfy my inner itch, if right. you will. <laughs> and uh, I found in the reader, the Chicago reader, this advertisement for acting classes at the St. Nicholas Theater Company, which I thought sounded interesting um, because of the name, you know, jolly old St. Nick. And so I went and it happened to be a, theater, a new theater company founded by W.H. Macy, uh, David Mamet, um, John Malkovich, Stephen Schachter. And I, I didn't know who any of them were or what or what they would become, obviously. Yeah. But I started taking classes, and I thought, well, this is fun. And uh, then I got cast in a play. And I, at the same time, I was dancing with a modern theater company, a uh, dance company. And I got cast in the play, and it was the same night that I was going to have to perform in the dance, and I had to make a choice. And that was the turn for me. Uh, I said, no, I'm following the acting theater, became a member of that company and did a bunch of plays there, learned a lot from those geniuses. I'm still I mean, in touch with them. what a group. What a group. It was just uh, it, kismet, you know. I mean, I didn't know what I was going into, but somehow that's been my career. I have felt guided yeah. somehow in a strange and wonderful way. <laughs> so, um, so after that, um, I, I loved it. I loved working in Chicago, but I, I was drawn to um, do more theater in New York. So I went mm-hmm. to New York, and I spent six years there. I did. Um, Two Broadway shows and then a, another Broadway show later after I was living in L.A., I came back to do another Broadway show. And I, I was just a theater junkie. I loved being on stage. I felt like oh, that yeah. was where my my soul was. Yeah, it's hard to make a living, but um, <laughs> I mean, unless you're on Broadway, that, that pays well. Um, but you can't do one Broadway show after another. I mean, unless you're, I don't know. Uh, not unless you're Bette Midler or something. Yeah, I, I, uh, Audrey um, McDonald, maybe. Or Hugh, yeah, yeah, or <laughs> Hugh Jackson or something. Um, anyway, the second Broadway show I did uh, went on tour to Los Angeles. It was The Iceman mm. Cometh with Jason Robards and a bunch of other brilliant actors. And we were asked to come to Los Angeles for six weeks to do wow. the play after we finished on Broadway. And um, 
I had been to LA before and never really got me or I didn't get it or something, but I thought, <laughs> Hey, six weeks, you know, how bad could it be? Show went great. Casting people came to see me, well, to see everybody, mainly the star, Jason Robards. And I started getting auditions for theater in L.A. And I thought, this this is weird. It's movie land. And I'm doing, I'm getting, so I did uh, a couple of plays in a row. And then I got a TV pilot. Mm. And that was what made me decide to stay. Now, you know. There's a lot of if onlys in my career. If only that had gotten picked up, it was yeah. a spin. It was a spinoff from uh, Family Ties, um, uh, Michael J. Fox's show. It was a spinoff from that. And one of the leads, uh, older gentleman, unfortunately passed away after the pilot was done, oh. so they didn't pick up the pilot. That would have been a life changing thing. Totally. I got a million of those. Yeah. Um, but by that time, I thought, well. You know, maybe I need to stick around and give TV and film a shot. Yeah. And that's what I did. I gave up my apartment in New York, which to this day I wish I hadn't done just because it's <laughs> nice to have an apartment in New York. Yeah. And, and I dug in here. I just, uh, not here, uh, in Los Angeles. I'm in Chicago right now. And um, work came. Yeah. Work came. I, I was busy, as you said, you know, I you see me in a million different things because I I mean like every TV show for the past thirty years you have been a on. lot it's amazing. A lot, a lot. And I was grateful for that. And I had fun. And I especially liked doing sitcoms because they were very close to theater. You know, mm-hmm. you were in front of a live audience and and I liked comedy, but but these serious films too were were a, a thrill. But something in me said if if I'm going to stay in LA, I need to do a play once mm. a year somehow. And and that's no easy feat in LA. No, it's so no, hard. And you, and you can't just will it, you know. So I decided to start a theater company, which I did. Called with the Grace all of your Players. free time, you yeah, with all the free time. Yeah. Company. Oh. <laughs> It was a challenge to get it up and running. I didn't know anything about filing for nonprofit, finding a venue, and no. so on and so on. I had been teaching a little bit. Uh, I'd been teaching and coaching actors just kind of informally. So I had a little, a little posse, you know, a little group. And I said, well, it would give me the opportunity to keep a promise to myself, to keep mm. a, a, a hand in theater while I was still pursuing the film and and television. And um, I had it for 15 years, which was wow. remarkable. I had a venue in Hollywood, right across, right behind the big Egyptian theater, which yeah. is now American Cinematheque. So many things fell into place, Jillian, I, for the, th- you know, getting the theater up and running. I mean, a friend, a very good friend of mine said, yeah, you'll have it for a year or two. That's about it. This stuff <laughs> doesn't, wrong. Yeah, doesn't fly in <laughs> LA, you know. And I said, well, if that's true, that's okay. Then I'll figure out something else. But it it got its own um, um, momentum, I guess you mm. could say, and it grew. The first play I did there was David Mamet's. I stayed in touch with David Mamet. I've actually Aww. done five of his films. Um, his adaptation of uh, Chekhov's Three Sisters. It was yeah. the Los Angeles West Coast debut. And we had a very propitious beginning. We got rave reviews. We did very well. We won awards. And that mm. kept me 
interested in, in going further. Um, I would alternate between doing classics and new plays because I wanted to support new playwrights. Yeah. And um, it was it was a joyride. When when that it sounds so fun. It was. It was. And and if I got a a role where I had to go away, there were people there that would fill in for me and I was mm-hmm. um so I could I didn't have to I didn't really have to give up anything. It was just a blessing, you know? And I mean, it just sounds like it was meant to happen. It's one of those things where it you willed it and then it actually did happen because it was supposed to. And it was, right. you were supposed to run that and you were supposed to be the head of that. I believe that, Jillian. I absolutely feel that it was a, a bit of destiny, if you will. Yeah. And I called it the grace players because grace is a quality that, you know, I could certainly use more of, and I think just about we anybody all can. can. <laughs> we all could. <laughs> so, so that that's the way that went. And, and the only reason that I uh, ended up giving it up was um, the dear man from whom I leased the theater was so wonderful. For 15 years, he never raised my rent. He was just wow. marvelous, very supportive of what we were doing. Older gentleman. And um, right around the time that the economy went crazy in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, he got an offer for somebody to pay him five times the rent I was paying. And he mm. was so sweet. He said, well, I don't know what to do, Natalia. I don't want you to lose your company and all this. I said, you know what? You have been so kind to me. You take that offer yeah. and I'll figure something else out. And um, as it turned out, I did go I, I hopped around to some other venues but that was our home for 15 mm-hmm. years and it it didn't really stay cohesive after after that um yeah. so i got into writing and continuing to act you know everything that ends i really believe that ad uh, adage one door opens you know three windows open cl- one door closes three windows open it, yeah. it seemed like again as you pointed out meant to be. I meant to start focusing on other things. And I wrote a novel. Yeah, (laughs) you're an author. I mean, and a historical novel, which that's my favorite genre. Me too. It's just so fun to read. Um, Tell us about One Woman's War. Okay. I am. It is a historical novel. It's based on um, events that happened, but it's not a true story. It's uh, the backdrop is the Balkan Wars in the 1990s. Um, and I'm very familiar with that area because that's where my uh, parents come from. Mm. Uh, but of course, you know, in the forties, many, many years ago, um, but I've been there many times, visited aunts and cousins and so on. And it came to me that not only there, but perhaps throughout the world, there's a battle between revenge and forgiveness. Mm. And that's actually the theme of the book. And it's called One Woman's War because it is one woman from that part of the country, uh, of the world, her battle with that. Um, Misfortunes strike her and there's the impulse to retaliate. I mean, it's human. And right. um, and that's the way the story unfolds. And I don't want to tell you the end, but I do have a copy right here. It's on Amazon.com, and Everybody I'm working on the second. I'm working on this. I'll send you one. You just tell oh. me where, and I, I, I would be my honor, really. 
I'm working on the second book, um, and I don't know if it's going to be One Woman's War Two or if it's going to have a different title. But anyway, um, it's it two early. women's wars. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a woman's war again. <laughs> again, another one. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. And back to the show. Well, I'd love to talk to you about some of your past roles. Um, sure. The first one being West Wing, because I was, I have always been obsessed with the West Wing. I'm currently in college to get my political science degree, much because of how much I love Aaron Sorkin. Um, Good for so you. I I love the West Wing, and you were such a great contribution to that show. And I'd love to know what it was like for you joining such a phenomenal cast hmm. and working I mean, just with powerhouses and how that was for you as, you know, a, a reoccurring guest actor to come in and join that. That's a great question. And also you have great taste. Aaron Sorkin is a genius. <laughs> genius. And absolutely. And those people are giants in, in their in our field. So you're right. I mean, I, initially I thought it was a, a, a little intimidating and I was frankly surprised I got the role. I remember auditioning and Aaron Sorkin was very interested in hearing the words exactly as written. He didn't care if you memorized it. He didn't even care if you looked up from the page. He was listening in the audition room for the rhythm of his words. And so it was kind of an unusual audition. I thought, oh, he didn't even look up, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, usually not a good sign. Right. That's, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I was cast as the Israeli um, ambassador. And, you know, Jillian, I think I would have been very intimidated by uh, uh, that group if I didn't have the method of the, the, mm, approach to acting and creating a character that I do. I mm. did some research on, obviously, Israel, ambassadors, what the current climate was, so that I could make her real. And um, that allowed me to approach it as the character. So as Natalia, I would have been completely humbled by, you know, when I had, had, had to talk to anybody. But 
as the character, because she was so strong and she faces off with the, with the president, you know, Martin yeah. Sheen. Uh, yeah and and that uh you know that's that saved me and if there's anything i would say to you know young actors is um you know join the consciousness of the character if it ends up freeing you you know then you're not trying to win over anything just do the actions of the character and um then of course you as a political science student one of the or or two, I think, episodes we did double, went to D.C. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had been there. I had done a play there. I, I was familiar with it. But being there as part of the West Wing cast was <laughs> like, whoa, and um, a really marvelous uh, opportunity. And uh, we went, you know, we went out to Camp David even. I mean, it was crazy what they permitted that, you know, they must have adored it, the West Wing show. And um, I could have done that forever. Uh, Loved, loved those people. And they were so gracious. You know, when someone new comes on as a guest star, I can tell you, not every uh, episodic that I've done had a star who was welcoming. Mm. I'm not going to name names, but then you have the ones where they welcome you want you know want you to feel comfortable and that was one of that was my experience oh, with west wing and i love hearing that ncis was another experience like that i just i just did one episode they were so welcoming it, it, it just and it i think that's those are the shows that are most successful with yeah. that feeling behind you know, the, the workers, the actors. So anyway, you go get it. I feel like you can, I feel like you can, as a viewer, see when a cast and a crew are happy and helping and loving. I feel like you can see it. And maybe it's just because we are actors. And so maybe we have some sort of sixth sense when we're watching something, but I feel like it's, everybody can kind of feel, oh, this must've been a wonderful thing to work on. You're absolutely right. You can feel it and when you're watching it as an observer and a sort and since we're actors we can sense it even watching their interaction but yeah and that was a that was a winning experience on all levels. Okay, well I cannot I cannot have you on the show and not talk about Christmas vacation because that movie plays in my household and in my family's house at least 50 times during the holidays. I mean, <laughs> they can quote the whole thing. Every time my dad fixes something, it's, we fixed the null post. I mean, <laughs> my Lord, every line is quotable. And um, I mean, you are so funny in that movie. <laughs> and I just have to know what it was like filming that movie because it's it's a classic. It's I feel like it's one of the greatest Christmas films ever made. Well, uh, it was... A pure heaven doing it. And um, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell the audition story now. Please! Because it totally relates to Christmas Vacation. Yes. Early yes. on in LA, I was auditioning for commercials. I was sent up to do a Pizza Hut commercial. And uh, my, my agent said, prepare something. And I said, oh, okay, what do you prepare for a Pizza Hut commercial? Whatever. You know, but the, the character description was like, you know, regular sort of working class, you know, mother. So I go and I thought, what do I, what do I have memorized? What, what do I, how can I prepare for this? And I, I had a 
a bunch of Shakespeare monologues that I've committed to memory. And I said, well, you know, I'll do this one from As You Like It, but I'll do it with a, with a street accent, you know, with a kind of... Bro- <laughs> so I'm doing Shakespeare, like, uh, there's none of my uncle's marks upon you. And... and <laughs> And I'm do I'm thinking I'm delivering what they want. The casting director steps out aside from her video camera and looks at me like I was insane. Finishes the thing. <laughs> I go out and I think as I'm going out into the waiting room, I see everybody's preparing a testimony about Pizza Hut. So I had it oh, totally wrong, totally wrong. Well. This has this leads to Christmas vacation. The director of the commercial had me in for a callback, and he and the clients were there. And he said, "I just want to meet the person who does a Shakespeare for a Pizza Hut commercial. Do it for the clients." And by this time, oh I was so humiliated. I didn't think I'd get it. You know, well, I did it, and they're laughing, think it's hilarious, and I got the part. The director was Jeremiah Chechik, who directed Christmas Vacation, okay? I do the commercial, cut to a few years, a couple years at least later, I'm called in to audition for um, Jeremiah Chechik for Christmas Vacation. And this was Jeremiah's first film. He had been doing commercials. So I go in, he remembers me from the thing, you know, what I did. It it was mostly because she didn't have, the the boss's wife didn't have a whole lot of lines. And some of them I I improvised um, at his encouragement. So we mostly, it was a meet, you know, kind of a meet. Mm -hmm. And then um, I guess Chevy Chase had to approve of all the um, actors. So, yeah. So I get a call back and it's in... um, an office at Warner Brothers, I guess it might've been Chevy Chase's office. I don't know. I go in, Jeremiah is there. Chevy Chase is sitting on the couch and um, Jeremiah introduces me and Chevy Chase looks at me and goes, so Shakespeare for a Pizza Hut commercial, huh? (laughs) And, you know, I turned red. I was obviously humiliated, but he got the humor of that and the absurdity of that. And I got the role. So, I guess the moral wow. of the story is you just never know where something is going to lead. I didn't know that Jeremiah directing that would remember me years later and bring me in for that audition and to work with those people. I mean, talk about the top of the comedy um, I mean, realm, yeah, Chevy Chase. Top of the comedy. Right, Marie uh, Louis, uh Dreyfus from uh, from Seinfeld. This was before Seinfeld. Yes. Yes. And um, oh, just so Randy Quaid, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid, you know the whole thing, and um, so Brian Murray, and um, so the one thing this might be fun for your dad since he knows so many of the lines. Yes. When I find that my husband's been kidnapped, I mm-hmm. call the police, and then they ask me to discover. Well, he was a big bulging man in a blue leisure suit that was improvised okay no. and they and they said it's okay keep it you know and um that i get you know when I, when i go to um conventions for star trek um people want to talk to me about christmas vacation not star trek yeah. you know <laughs> And they quote that line to me. Bulging yeah, yeah. man. It's it's so good. I mean the fact that that was improvised. Wow. Yeah, so I can't. that that's, that's so my good. that's my uh 
my amazing audition story. I love that audition story. I mean, it's so true. You just never know. And that's why I've always been such a big proponent of telling everyone, all actors, it doesn't matter if you're doing a short film, a small theater show, anything. You do not know where anybody that you work with is going to end up. That's right. And you have got to be kind. You've got to be gracious. And you've got to give it your all, no matter how small the paycheck is or if there even is one. That's right. Very, very wise advice. You do. You have to you have to bring it. You just have to bring it Mm -hmm. every time because you don't know. And also, Mm -hmm. you know, auditions, I, I used to get nervous about them and then be in tears if I was rejected early on. And then I got this new attitude about it. And I thought, hey, I love to act. An audition is an opportunity to act for five minutes. Why would I not enjoy that? And give it my, it totally changed things for me. And uh, not so much of that trying to covet something, but more offering something, you know, and. uh, Well, I I think it's easy to get lost in the, I'm not working. I need to work. I need to, or this or mm -hmm, that, or mm -hmm. like, you know, the, especially nowadays with self tapes and you get all the self tapes and it's like, well, now I have four self tapes to do this week and whatever. And it's just, then it gets, you know, overloading. But I think putting it in that perspective, I mean, what a what a game changer it is to say, oh, no, I get to do this, not I have to do this. Exactly. You did, you said it better than I did. That's exactly the, the mentality that I cultivated. And it did change the way I went into auditions and um, and the results as well, which you're, you have no control over. The results are going to be with the results. Yeah. You can give the most brilliant audition and you're, you're too tall or too short or you're the wrong, you know, yeah. something's the wrong hair color, whatever, and you don't get it. And there's, that's just the way it is. Um, and I've had disappointments where I, um, oh, there was one, uh, it was, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was with Joey Montaigne, who I adored and knew from Chicago. Oh, wow. And it was going to sh- film in Russia. And I was, I was auditioning for a Russian woman. I could do the accent really well because the Slavic accent that I grew up around is almost the same. I gave a great audition, had a callback, great callback, and I didn't get it. And Joey called me because he was so kind. He said, um, listen, honey, you didn't get it. I want you to tell, I want you to know the director said that yours was the best audition, but they gave it to a real Russian girl. And, you know, I couldn't do, I couldn't make myself Russian. You can't no. argue that. And, yeah. uh, but, it, you know, uh, that, those are frustrating ones where, you know, you know, yeah. it was like close, but no cigar kind of thing. Those are the ones that, you know, as you said in, in your in, um, uh, text, uh, you know, the ones that get away, the ones that, you yeah. know, slip by, but Anyway, um, I try not to dwell on that, you know, and go on to what's next, what's next. Um, that um, I was told always have somewhere to go after an audition, go meet a friend for coffee, go to the gym, oh. have somewhere to go so that you're not in the car running the lines in a different way <laughs> and saying, why didn't I do it that way? <laughs> there are so many times I will be in bed after an audition, like days over, got ready for bed, and I think, Huh. That line could have been said yeah. that way. Oh, I think I think we all do that. And uh, yeah. in what capacity did we almost work together? 
Oh, so my first film that I directed to the beat, um, we had, I think we had offered you the role of Miss Dottie, who was the dance teacher, oh. but you were working on something else or it's a time conflict reason. Yeah. There was some sort of conflict that it didn't oh. work. And um, I'm sorry. You would have been a great Miss Dottie, but that's okay. We're that's today, right. We are. So and I, right. I, uh, I have played a dance teacher in, in uh, another different uh, episodic but but um yeah that would come naturally to me having spent many 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 <laughs> hours in dance classes and how cool that you're directing and um after your political yeah. science degree i i expect to be voting for you for president <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> No, there's no way. I got myself in SAG politics, and that is that is ha- my happy place right now. Is I'm working with the labor. Oh, union. wonderful! Stuff within my own stuff, you know, I'm applying my my new knowledge to our industry, which is exciting for me. But, Good for um, you, man. It's been so fun talking to you. And also, uh, real quick, I have to say, I was named after a Star Trek character, so. This is pretty cool having a start. Oh my goodness. Well, yes. That is the gift that keeps on giving (laughs) Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, I I never knew. I did five episodes and I didn't know that it would reverberate the way it has. I mean, I've been to so many conventions and and see and people come up for an autograph and they recite my lines that I don't Mm. even remember. (laughs) <laughs> You're like, oh, and, then, and uh, some of them are very upset with me for being tough on Patrick Stewart. And they go, <laughs> you seem like a nice person in person, but why were you so mean to him? And I would say, I would assume the character and say, I wasn't mean. I was just uh, protecting the Federation. <laughs> and <laughs> they would. Oh, I bet. Yeah, they love it that. was fun. That was a that was a, a great role. I loved her. She was tough, but I loved her. So you're working on your working second on my novel. second novel. I'm done. Else that um, you're doing right well, now? I've just I don't know. It's kind of since I've been back here in Chicago, it's sort of been the um, the indie girl. I've done a few indie uh, projects here, and also flown back to LA for for one, and a few here. And the one I just recently completed is called All Happy Families, and uh, it's probably going to premiere in the Chicago Film Festival. But it, right now, the director's sending it around, and I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing a Serbian woman, which is where my parents oh. are from. And so I got to use my accent and she's, she's oh, a real comic relief in this movie. And I, um, I, I, I love doing it. So, you know, to watch out for that, it'll, it'll be released at some point, but that's what I just, com- just mm. completed now. And then doing those self tapes and sending it out there and, um, yeah. letting the universe bring to me what it will. I, um, I'm just grateful. That's amazing. Oh, well, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I um, am ecstatic that we are able to spend this time together and hopefully we get to see each other in person and work together. I would love that, Jillian. Please think of me for your your next dance teacher or whatever, or Israeli (laughs) ambassador. (laughs) I'd love to, I'd love to, I love being directed by younger people. They always have a fresh fresh way of, of seeing things. So, and I'm directable. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me. This was really fun and you are, you're a charm. So thank you. Thank you.
Thanks again to Natalia for coming on the show and spending some time with me. It was such a pleasure and honor to get to know her, and hopefully we get to work together soon because that would be a lot of fun. Tune in next week for another Christmas-filled episode with one of the stars of the new Apple movie Spirited, Andrea Anders. And until then, thanks for coming in. Anna Sheridan, New York Times bestselling author of Supernatural Horror, missing for nearly six months now. That's not possible. Is the compass broken? Or did I turn to the Given the circumstances of her disappearance, someone with a more vivid imagination might decide she'd pierce the veil, so to speak. Weak radio signal. 700 meters. Closing fast. There's no place for ghost stories and close encounters in this investigation, or any other. I need you to find me. What else would it be? The Sheridan Tapes, a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms.